Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cast episode 695, Mission Roll Call, part four, Lunar Exploration. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane, I'm the publisher of Universe Today. With me is Dr. Pam Legay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I, I am doing well. Fall has arrived. Yeah, yeah, we went mushroom watching yesterday which is what you do in october after the heavy rains come back and it's just so great we found a mushroom that looked like a butt and it was delightful but i want to sort of put something in everybody's brains today i was having a conversation with one of my patrons and talking about i was asked i always ask people what's their favorite podcast show book like i want to know what's the best and they were telling me about a podcast that they had listened to and really loved better than me right and but it pod faded so they stopped recording back in in 2020 and this happens all the time that mm-hmm. that you are there's some kind of content that you really like and you really appreciate the enthusiasm for the people who are doing it. And then they po- they post less frequently and eventually they just stop and then you never find out what happened to them. But, you know, we don't know exactly what was going on, but my guess is they couldn't make it into a viable thing that could cover their cost to keep doing it. That, that almost all of the content that all of us consume is to some degree a volunteer effort. And I mean, even astronomy cast, you and I volunteer our time and, you know, we're able to pay a team and I don't know if we would be able to keep doing astronomy cast if we didn't have our patrons that were supporting the work. So we would not, we would not, not this show would not exist. No, this show would not exist. So thank you to everyone who supports us, but just think about how you spend your time and the things that you love the most and how you would feel if those things went away because the person who is volunteering their time couldn't do it any longer and figure out a way that you can support them directly. I mean, if, if they've thought it through and they've got a Patreon or they've got a way to, for you to give them donations or buy them a cup of coffee or join their Kickstarter or join, whatever, if it's meaningful to you and you would, you would be saddened by its loss, then please – help them out and even like giving them a donation 
to just tell them this thing that you make is important to me and, and you're making the world a better place. And so keep at it. And, and you may not make it a career today, but maybe you will in the future. And that vote of confidence for any creator is enormous. I can remember the times when we first started making things and someone sent us a donation out of the blue. So that's it. That is uh, all I wanted to say. Just think about the stuff you love and figure out a way to support the people who create that stuff. Because if you don't, yeah. and if nobody does, then eventually it'll go away. Our journey through missions continues. This time we focus on the moon. There are many nations on the moon, near the moon, around the moon, traveling to the moon. It's a lot. And we will talk about it today. All right. So this originally we were going to like mash this episode. We we're going to talk about the moon and Mars. I mean, maybe we were talking about planning it last week anyway. And <laughs> we were looking at the moon missions. We're like, nope, whole, yeah. whole episode. There's too much. True. Very yeah. true. Yeah. So uh, let's, where do you want to start? Because you actually, you class gave me all those classifications when we set up things that are at the moon, <laughs> on the moon, near the moon, around the moon, yeah. traveling to the moon. So wh- which of those classifications would you like to start with? So I, I think we need to actually start with a scorecard okay. in a way, because like everyone knows the U.S. landed humans on the moon because like... Did they? I hadn't heard that. Yeah. We're kind of loud about it. Right. But... <laughs> Like <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, when I when I meet an American, like, hi, you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Canada. Oh, I'm from America. We landed on the moon. That's how you it, know. It feels like that when you meet some people. Oh yeah, it, no, they're it really they, does. they're justifiably proud of it. Good job, Americans. But like, did did you know that South Korea has something orbiting the moon? Do, do I, Fraser Kane, journalist who reports okay, on missions fair, at the moon, true, including true. the Korean Dunery <sighs> orbiter with its shadow cam instrument okay, provided fine. by NASA? Yes. Fine. Yes, All I'm right. familiar with All that. Right. But am, am I like, you know, every day, <laughs> you know, science enthusiast? No. Tell me about this. <laughs> this sounds so, great. So I, I just wanted to like start by pointing out that like... Soviet Union, which is a country that no longer exists, is in the big three that has managed to get there, orbit, uh, impact a few times in the process of learning to land, roved the surface and returned things. Now, China is also in that category. And how? Yeah, yeah. They're like, it's going to be interesting to see if they or the U.S. are the next country to put humans on the moon. And... I don't know which one it's going to be. I really, really don't. Um, but India's right there. Mm-hmm. They haven't done a, a return mission yet. But but again, they have done the flyby orbit impact because you do. And lander. And rover. lander and rover. And, and so we have this growing number of nations that we need to, to celebrate because Don't that is Japan. more science being done. So, so J- Japan is There's a mission by impact. Japan on its way. No, there's a mission from Japan on its way right now. Yes, but so, but so far, little their little, uh, what was it, Hakuta? Hakuto? Yeah, Hakuta R, yeah. Yeah, it... it, it hit the impact stage mm-hmm. did not land as one would wish for on try one. No one really succeeds on try one. Yeah. It will not qualify for the, the, uh, current missions on the moon. I don't think we're going to sort of talk about 
smashed wreckage. Um, no, but we need but, to acknowledge some of the smashed wreckage. Maybe, but 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 why? When we can also acknowledge a a perfectly functioning spacecraft that's on its way right now. This this, this is true. Well, the thing I wanted to acknowledge was several of these nations. Oh, at least in part, the Google Lunar X Prize, which yeah. never actually awarded anything, but started this this vast new interest in getting small things to the moon doing big things. And and so Hukuda R, Bereshit, uh, the Indian... So many smoking craters yeah, on the moon. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It is true. I feel so bad for all these Google Lunar X Prize <laughs> candidates who, who built missions that just crashed into the moon. Yeah. But, but what was amazing was time after time after time, it was the software that failed sure. and and you gotta love the fact that we're getting so good with the hardware and anyone who's written software knows you can never anticipate every bug you just don't want to find them on the way to the moon and they <laughs> found them on the way to yeah. the moon so kind of awesome i repeat the question yes Shall we start with, uh, do you want to go by nation then? Have you, is, that, is that what you're proposing? You'd like to start by nation? Do you want to talk about location? Do you want to talk about capability? Oh, man. Choose, like we can go any, options. just choose one. Okay, don't make me choose. Okay, fine. I, we're going to no. go, go by nation. It's been decided. Right. Let's start right. with the Korean Danuri spacecraft. So this this is one I have to admit I didn't know anything about until today. Um so I kind of feel like you Mr. Space Journalist who pays far more attention to yeah. missions than I do are really better off describing this sure, mission. Yeah. I acknowledge this. I have no pride. Uh, okay, no problem. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, <laughs> South Korea has wanted to get into the spaceflight game for a long time, and there's kind of two parts to it. There's their ability to launch rockets, and there's and their ability and their ability to build missions. And they actually completed both of those. So yeah. uh, this year they were able to get their first orbital rocket to fly, and they were also able to get their first mission uh, to the moon. And this was Denuri. Now they launched it on a, I believe they launched it on a, on a Falcon. So it wasn't a, a, a Korean rocket that took it to the moon. And it's got a collection of instruments on board for analyzing the moon. You know, the, your common suite of lunar resources. Yeah. For lunar resources, uh, mass or spectrometers, you've got all kinds of stuff on it. But one of the most interesting instruments that we've heard quite a lot about of recently is called shadow cam. And this is like the lunar reconnaissance orbiter, which we're going to talk about, I'm sure in a second is a mission designed to, uh, resolve features on the surface of the moon, but it doesn't do a great job in the permanently shadowed craters of the moon. And that's where a lot of this interest in the moon is because that's where there could be vast reserves of water ice. And so the, uh, the South Korean instrument with the shadow cam, it has 200 times the low light sensitivity of the lunar reconnaissance orbiter, but it's utterly overwhelmed you know it's like you know it needs sunglasses to look anywhere but into these permanently shadowed craters and so it shows you know and these things only are reflected by starlight they only they're only illuminated by starlight by reflected light from the earth and from just ambient light bouncing off of nearby crater walls and yet it's able to give it enough light for it to be able to see into them and you've got just these beautiful images showing all of the features inside these craters that Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter just couldn't do. So uh, good job, Korea. And I really look forward to more missions coming out of, out of that, that country. And, 
what what's so exciting is like Lunar Flashlight was planning to do a fragment of what it's doing, and Lunar Flashlight failed as so many space space is hard space is hard <laughs> and the moon is particularly hard <laughs> yeah yeah like it's it weird because it's things. like it, it feels like it's beguiling with its you know with its lack of atmosphere and its low well, gravity well but boy do spacecraft die trying to get to the moon it's true um and and so all the science that that lunar uh flashlight was going to do didn't happen and now we have the south korean mission and what what's awesome for the, those who don't know the the way this works is in the sunlit regions all of the molecules get excited they float around and then they'll periodically land different places and when molecules of volatiles, so things like ice, carbon dioxide, land in the permanently shadowed regions, they're like, oh, we're good here. We're just going to stay here. <laughs> and, and so you can end up with these, these molecules piling up into detectable and potentially future resourceable units of stuff. And so we can imagine a future where we put the humans in these craters that have permanently shadowed regions, which are first of all thermodynamically a lot easier to handle, but then also hopefully have the water, the carbon dioxide. And and with Denari, they're they're also looking at uranium and helium three and silicon and aluminum. Um, it's kind of cool. Totally. Let's talk about India. So so India is out there systematically going through all the steps and showing what they're capable of. And one of the things that I've heard people poo-poo is, well, their images aren't as high resolution as LRO. Well, I don't care. They have <laughs> they have tried all these different orbits. They are setting things up to be both communication systems and imaging systems. And they are setting rovers on the surface in places other people haven't put rovers. So you do you, India. Yeah. Lower resolution is fine. You'll get there. And they're doing all this other amazing stuff. Um, Chandrayaan 2 only had an orbiter. Uh, Chandrayaan 3 is, is where they had a lander and a rover. They also have another orbiter. And they're near the South Pole, and this has added all sorts of complexity because normally we put orbiters going around the the, the uh, equatorial region, and so they had to adjust their orbits to be able to communicate readily back with Earth. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and so, I mean, Shadrai 1 helped us even just understand that there was water on the moon yes. in the first place. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of people forget that that discovery of water on the moon was made with Shandrayaan 1. Now, it was an American instrument on board that helped make the discovery, but but a lot of people kind of gloss over the fact that India helped us figure out that there's water on the moon. Um, Shandrayaan 2, as you said, you know, they had, the, they had their lander and rover and it failed, but the orbiter's still there. Yeah. And then with Chandrayaan three, I guess it doesn't count anymore because it's now dead. But it went straight for the landing, yeah. and so it didn't have the orbiter; it just had the lander and the rover. Landed on the moon, did its fourteen days of exploring, and 
and send a whole bunch of science home. And then when lunar night set in, the spacecraft died. So, which is kind of normal. That, very that normal. Is yeah, expected. this is this yeah. is how you roll. Yeah, and and yeah. I mean, the budget on that spacecraft was so low that they didn't have the funds to put in plutonium to keep it warm. And that's really the only solution that you've got. Like, if you want to keep your spacecraft warm, you give it plutonium, either a little uh, nugget of plutonium that just it can keep itself warm, like keep its batteries warm, yeah. or a, like a proper thermoelectric you know, radioisotope thermoelectric generator, like what you have on Curiosity and Perseverance. And so without a, without any way to keep itself warm, it died. But it was like, you know, I forget the budget. It was under a hundred million. It's crazy what they're able to to pull off. Amazing. And they launched this on their own rockets. Yeah. This is one of those things where we have to give a shout out to India is, is another one of these nations that is now out there with multiple launch sites doing amazing things. Um, their, their launches are a lot of fun to watch when they do televise them. Yeah, um, they live stream them nicely. Yeah. Take a hint yeah, to China. They really do. Yeah. And yeah. it's, we are a space faring peoples and there's so many games in town and yeah. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I think, awesome. I think it's great. I mean, the moon is close, and it's a great place to send a spacecraft and hopefully and figure it out. And practice crashing. And practice crashing, yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to talk about this some more, but it's time for another break. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is Beth here for Pamela. She had her gallbladder yeeted the day she'd normally record this show, And going into it, she was up until all hours with a brain determined to be shouty about all sorts of things beyond her control. This kind of shouty brain shenanigans isn't restricted to extreme circumstances. Sometimes just reading the news can lead to a visit with two o'clock in the morning. If you want to quiet the voices in your head and find real peace, it can really help to talk through your thoughts while getting therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. The mobile-friendly website will have you fill out a brief questionnaire and then pair you with someone who will match your needs. And if they aren't a perfect fit, you can easily change therapists at any time. Everything is online, and BetterHelp is convenient, flexible, and can work with any schedule. Even an astronomer's schedule like mine. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash astronomy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash astronomy. And we're back. All right, let's talk about Japan. So so Japan, Hakuto R, this, this was the saddest little mission. I, they've done so many successful things, but that one is near and dear to my heart because it started with the teams that were doing the Google Lunar X Prize. And I did a lot of work with the Google Lunar X Prize teams back in the day. And um, it, it was a technology demonstration, lost contact during the very final stage. And um, it turned out that their altitude estimation system did not. And and so they just hit the ground at too high of a velocity. And LRO has gotten really, really good at 
finding what remains. And I kind of look forward to a day where it's easy to go back and forth. And we have like little museums set up around each of these craters where folks are doing both lunar archaeology and lunar geology of, we know this dirt has only been exposed for this many years. So it's still science. It's just future science. And I think with with Hakuto, as you said, you know, this was one of the missions done from the Google Lunar X Prize, privately funded. It failed. Part of space. Right. But so the the one that is currently successful is called the Smart Lander for Investigating Moon or SLIM, also known as the Moon Sniper, which is sort of a cool idea. And this is a tiny little spacecraft designed to put a lander on the moon. And the goal is precision. So they want to get within 100 meters of their target and demonstrate that they can put payloads onto the surface of the moon exactly where they need to go. And this is this is not coming out of a private agency. No. This is coming from JAXA. Yeah. And I, I've mentioned this many times in the past. Like if, if I had to pick my favorite space agency, it would be JAXA. They yeah. do the coolest, most creative... Uh, missions where oh, like Hayabusa, Hayabusa two, right? They even brought Hayabusa yeah. one home somehow, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But Hayabusa two just like they threw a tank shell at the asteroid. They they dropped landers, hoppers, the yeah. stuff they have planned for their mission to Phobos. They were the, they launched a solar sail, uh, yeah. so. Just they, they don't feel failure. They fear failure. Yeah, they simply are like, we are going to iterate this. Yeah. And if it sounds dumb, we're still going to try I, it if there's the potential. I need to get to talk to somebody at JAXA and just understand this perspective because you you just you feel yeah, it's amazing. This this creativity and risk taking yeah. that come together with ambition into missions that you just wouldn't see out of NASA or China or, you know, Europe, anyone else is trying this kind of stuff, right? Let's, let's put an anti-tank weapon on a asteroid mission said nobody ever, but Japanese said, yeah, let's do it. And they had those little missions that basically flitted. They, they, they were essentially sprung loaded so that they'd hit and bounce and hit and bounce yeah. and were able to cover vast amounts of surface in the low gravity environment. JAXA just does cool stuff, but with SLIM, they are doing it slowly. Like you can get to the moon in a couple of days. You can. They are not. Um, SLIM launched back in September. Um, they're, they're the orbits for this, they're just going slow and steady and not a lot of fuel involved and kudos to saving fuel and building expectations. So hopefully, you know, we're in the middle, middle time where we don't know whether this this mission is going to work or not, but I like the rods. I've got a lot of practice now in, in landing in, in places that are complicated. All right, let's move on to, uh, to China. So China is is another one of these nations that is doing slow and steady and constant development. Uh, small steps, iterative design, clear long-term plan, and the will and the long-term budgetary planning to stick with it that I have fantasies of long-term budgets. 
So guess um, how many operational spacecraft, I don't know if you know this number right now, I are don't. at the moon right now by China. Give me a guess. By just China, I would guess somewhere around eight. Yeah, there's five right Okay. Now. Yeah. They've had seven total, but five are yeah. operational right now. Yeah. And and they did landing on the far side. They were the first nation to do a landing on the far side. They were the first nation to really set up a good communications network using some really weird orbits. Um, <laughs> you're laughing at my definition of weird orbit, I suspect. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, you're, th- you're talking about the, the, the relay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and... And I just love how they're very no nonsense and how they do things. My my favorite, and this is the stupidest example, but it brings me joy. Their far side rover, and I'm going to let you pronounce all things Chinese. Um, their far side rover saw something off in the distance oh, that the internet the proclaimed was a hut. Yeah, yeah, the Chang'e rover. Yeah, Chang'e Chang'e five. I think it was five. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, far side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they the internet said there is a hut in the distance, which makes no sense. And so they just very slowly roved over there until it resolved into a boulder. And it was just sort of like we're not going to take your nonsense. We're going to see what this is. Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of enjoying watching it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. Like China ha- has been putting out these plans for their lunar exploration, and the mm-hmm. goal is humans setting foot on the moon by the end of the 2020s. Like now, they're kind of targeting 2029, mm-hmm. and in order to do that, they're having to build a technology stack that can handle this. And, mm-hmm. you know, people who listen to this are going to be like, yeah, but they stole it. Like, who knows now? Like, they stole bunches of it. But now, a lot of it is developed by them. And so they've got a – they're building a heavy lift vehicle, like a heavy lift rocket, like in yeah. the sort of Falcon Heavy class. They are building uh, a new crew capsule capable mm-hmm. of carrying five astronauts or three to the moon. Um, they're building – the rovers and landers and the facilities and the planning, all of this to sort of culminate in 2029 and so, or 2030. And so you're seeing these landers, the sample, like the sample return mission is a great example, right? They have to land at the, at, on the moon, they have to Mm -hmm. collect samples and they have to return those samples back to earth. And that is, it's, you know, imagine it was humans instead, right? It's in a nutshell, the process. And so they're doing science as they're exploring the moon. And then at the same time, they are prototyping all of the major pieces of what it's going to take for them to send humans to the moon. And they're doing things no other nation has done. So like U.S. and Soviet Union had both done sample returns. So they went to the far side and brought us a sample from there, which we did not have. Yeah. I can't wait to see more in-detailed science from that. But. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, you know, once again, I have a lot of complaints about the way China <laughs> shares its science. Yeah. Um, but with the rovers and the landers, they're actually doing a pretty good job. I actually uh, – so there was a paper that just came out sharing the results of their little farm they set up on the moon with the with the Chang'e 5, I think. Yeah. 
and and they they had a bunch of little seeds they grew. They had some fly eggs that they had taken. They had like a whole bunch of stuff that they they tried all at the same time. And and I reached out to the researchers and I'm like, oh, could you send me the paper? And they got back to me. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing. They sent me the paper. It was very bizarre to me. Like it never happens. Like I've I've sent so many requests to Chinese researchers, to Chinese officials, <sighs> to to comment on things and it's just silence and yet i think with the science operations of their lunar exploration they're actually doing a pretty good job of of that all right you know what we got to move on so to some other country i forget what they're called all right let's talk about uh the united states of america who of course have put humans on the moon but not in our lifetime yeah in our lifetime 1970 i was alive in 1972 I was not. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not I was in my life. I was one. Sure, I okay. don't remember. But anyways, but let's talk about the right now. What does the United States have operational at the moon? We have lunar reconnaissance orbiter as well as capstone, um, and we're working on other stuff. But those are the ones that are currently there doing cool stuff. I mean, let's talk about Lunar Reconnaissance Orbit. I mean, this is a flagship that has done so much incredible science and just given us the best pictures ever. It and its twin Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter um, are both just like never dying energizer bunny of spacecraft. And Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter... May they never stop funding it, uh, is capable of getting less than one meter resolution, depending on where it is in its orbit, of the surface of the moon, which means that if your average basketball player lays down on the surface of the moon and assumes the snow angel position, they have the potential to be like two pixels by two pixels, which is significant when you are laying down on the moon. And with this this combination of instruments that does the extremely high res, they also have other instruments that are doing larger areas at lower resolution. They have been able to catch the moon in a variety since its launch back in it went launch 2009. Um Since its launch, they've been able to catch the moon in total in multiple shadowed conditions, watch with the thermal instruments, the constantly uh, changing temperature as things are in and out of sunlight so we can see how different regions of the moon respond thermally. That tells us about their heat capacity. it, it has, we've been able to watch a solar cycle go by and see how the moon responds uh, to high energy particles from the sun. Um, basically, if there is some cool discovery you have seen in the past two decades, decade, one decade, one decade, um, it probably came from LRO. I, I think about like the pictures of the lunar landing sites. With the yeah, footprints, with the shadows. With the, yeah. and you can see the footprints of the astronauts across the moon. You can right. see the the flag. You yes. can see the, the 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 positions of the rovers of like the the little cars they took to the moon and the and the wheel tracks. Uh, like if there was a monolith on the moon, it would have found it. it. Would have found it. That's how yeah. good that spacecraft is. 
uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stunning technology and, and I'm always shocked that it's still operating. Yeah. It's just fine. Yeah, it's It's fine. It's doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Like it somehow has just resisted the inevitable desire to crash into the moon and it's just keeps going. Uh, and then I guess the other spacecraft we should mention is, is the capstone. You mentioned that briefly. Yeah. So, so capstone is NASA showing you can do things with tiny packages. Uh, capstone is a CubeSat, and its purpose is something I'm not sure we've launched a mission to do just this one thing before, but it's kind of cool. So we're planning to put uh, the the Lunar Gateway, a space station for basically, it's a ferry stop between the surface of the moon and space. We're planning to put a small space station there, and it's a sufficiently new orbit to be sticking things in. We don't have a lot of experience with staying in cislunar space. Mm. That They're just kind of sticking capstone in the orbit that they're thinking about for Lunar Gateway and testing out what is the stability of this orbit. And that's yeah. a cool thing to do with a tiny spacecraft. Yeah, it's a smart idea. Like put the spacecraft yeah. into the orbit, understand the, the radiation hit... Just make sure you can remain in this orbit. What kinds of orbital yeah. maneuvers are required to stay in this orbit? And this will give you a good sense of what it's going to be like when a giant space station is put into that exact orbit. And I think it's a really smart idea. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we didn't decide to mush together the moon and oh. Mars because we wouldn't have made it. This was already, no. uh, this may have even have been a bigger episode than the Mars one that's coming up, but I may probably it not. Will be. Yeah. Well, there's more alive at Mars. There is a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a busy place. All right. Well, thanks, Pamela. And, and thank you. And thank you so much to everyone out there who does support us through Patreon. Times are tough. We see that. In, in your numbers, um, to those of you still able to give, you allow us to keep doing what we do. So thank you. This week, I want to thank Don Mundus, J. Alex Anderson, Michael Regan, Michael Cullen, Peter, Janelle, Frodo Tannenbaugh, I'm so sorry, I never say it right, Matt Rucker, Antasor, Dwight Ilk, uh, Sharesome, Mark Stephen Rasnak, MHW1961, Super Symmetrical, Abraham Cottrell, Philip Grand, Jim McGeehan, Cami Racian, James Roger, Father Prax, Andrew Stevenson, Planetar, Paul Hayden, Smansky, Glenn McDavid, Benjamin Davies, Alex Rain, Stephen Coffey, The Air Major, Dean, Gabriel Galfin, and Sam Brooks and his mom. And we are so grateful to all of you who have joined at the Pamela Attempts to Pronounce Your Name level. Wonderful. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Pamela, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. 
This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com slash astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast. <laughs>